Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. We are here in the Condé Nast Podcast Studios. I've got Meredith Carey, who is an editor and a podcast producer. Lale Arikaglu, who is an editor for us and a regular podcast guest recently. You've been on a bunch. It is true. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Uh, and we have Mark Elwood on the Skype. Mark is also a contributing editor and a podcast producer. How you doing, Mark? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling you from Sydney, Australia. Lovely Sydney, Australia. So a long way away, but worth the trip. Oh, yeah. My name is Brad Rickman. I have to say that. We'll start there. Yeah, we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> and the topic of the week is group travel. And I got to say, since Lulite now works elsewhere, I feel like I need to be the voice of please no. Um, <laughs> so I think group travel to me is one of those things that like airports and security lines gives me the sweats and the fears. And so I want all of you guys to convince me, number one, that this can be a path to a happy experience. And number two, that it's something that you can actually accomplish without completely going crazy and pulling your hair out and so on and so forth. I will just start by saying my group is three people, max. It's like more than a duo, but it's not, I'm not traveling with like 17 people. I'm not coordinating, you know, my extended family to go anywhere. But my ideal group is like three people who kind of have similar interests, but are different enough that they're going to push you to try different things. And then everyone wants to go in the same place, the same destination. That's my ideal group. Nothing more, nothing less. Lolly, what's your definition of group? Well, actually, interestingly, I have was always very much like you in that the prospect of group travel sent chills down my spine, as does things like organized fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I had to help organize my friend's bachelorette weekend in Nashville last summer, and it was such a success and went so smoothly that I would say that I'm kind of a convert. And I'm actually thinking about what I could do with the same group of girlfriends this summer because I don't think we'll kill each other. So that's those are a couple of very different definitions of groups, right? Like one of those, <laughs> what are some, <laughs> what are some, Mark, what's your ideal group? See, I'm coming at this from a different way. My first job in travel was as a group tour leader. So I took Americans and art tours around Europe. So I love group travel when I'm in charge. My whole joy of group travel is I just love being the boss. So I think it's not necessarily about whether I enjoy participating, but boy, I love marshalling people. God, I love that. Like, I want to pair up with you because that is the last thing <laughs> I want to do. But I was there, there are some common, and we just named a couple of them, but maybe we could flesh out some of these. There are some common scenarios that people are going to run into kind of just like in the course of life. Bachelorette parties, bachelor parties, those are a couple more sort of organized groups, Mark, like what you were talking about, although, you know, that's more mm -hmm. of a professional kind of context, but regular travelers are, you know, weddings. What are some of the other ones that kind of come up frequently that you guys may have either done or organized or, you I know, mean, like family reunions. Family Someone reunions, is always yeah. going to be in charge of planning a family reunion yeah. and that job probably won't be the most fun of those options. Unless it's Mark's family. Right, <laughs> unless it's Mark's family. <laughs> um, what else? I think there are just some like random scenarios that come up 
there are kind of like, I don't know that emerging scenarios, more and more common things so that we see. we just had a story and Mark and I have actually been talking about this because we've been talking about <laughs> words that we hate that show up in like press releases and stories that we read. And one of them we just wrote about and it's called the buddy moon. Oh. And it's that like 12% of people are willing to either invite friends on their honeymoon or go on a group honeymoon, uh, which just sounds oh. to me as an unmarried person, like a nightmare on both sides. Like I would not want my friends to come with me. Also, I would not want to third wheel that. No. So like, I just, it should not exist. No. That, that is a group travel that should just not be factored into this scenario. Also, if you can't face two weeks, just the two of you at the beginning of you your marriage, be then you're doomed. Married. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's also, I mean, I think there's college travel. I think there's, you know, I did a lot of group trips when I was at college where you would arrange summer vacations. I think there are reunions from friends across the country. I think often people have to organize work trips. What if you're traveling, you know, for a conference and you want to make the most out of it? So you've got colleagues that you're kind of corralling, semi-coordinating. There's a lot of different ways that you can find yourself traveling with more than one person. And frankly, two couples who go on a joint family vacation or a ski trip together, it's the same thing. The minute there's more than two of you, there are three opinions. And when there are three opinions, it takes twice as long. I feel like in line with your own temperament, Mark, it always seems <laughs> as though there's one person who takes on the lion's share of the responsibility for planning the group's trip, the group's activities. Have you guys found that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, I think the single thing I would always say, aside from how much I love being in charge, I'm just naturally so bossy, the only way a group trip will fail is if you try to make it too egalitarian. It is better to have the argument up front and work out who will have the final say-so, who will be the bridezilla of the trip, than have everyone weigh in because it just, no decisions take place. This group trip should not be democracies, they should be, uh, they should be royalties, they should be sovereign states. So I actually had a bunch of friends who went, um, a bunch of my college friends, we had a reunion in Nashville also. Nashville is obviously a great place to take groups. Yeah, um, <laughs> but the way it worked for us was we had one person who was like, okay, I'm gonna find the Airbnb. This person was me. I'm gonna find the Airbnb. I'm going to pick out the like best restaurants, the one thing we have to do. And then I'm gonna leave free time for us to either, as you know, there were eight of us, you split up and go shopping while other people go eat more food or go to a concert while other people decide to go to a honky-tonk, like leave open space um, yep. for that democracy to happen. But there does need to be like some initial like, okay, I'm going to buy tickets for all of us to go to the Opry and I'm going to buy tickets for all of us to do this and we're doing those things and then you can do whatever you want the rest of the time. But like we are definitely staying here and doing these things and flying in at this time. And I think also there shouldn't be the pressure that everyone has to participate in every activity planned. Like mm -hmm. if you're with a group of people, everyone has different tastes and different anxieties or think different things they're enthusiastic about. So I think it's important that, yeah, there's that free time, but also it's like no one will be offended if one person wants to opt out and go off on their own for the afternoon. And then you can all reunite and have a great dinner at the end of it and not 
And I, I, you know, Lale, I think you're so right. And I think what we're hitting on is probably one of the things that makes Brad, like Brad, you can say this, but I think the idea that a group trip is somehow welding everyone into some giant caterpillar of a activity. And it's not. It is that ability that there are sort of tent pegs, there are dinners and there are arrival times or whatever it is. And other than that, you do get plenty of time to please yourself because you're on vacation. I mean, you're not working. You guys both mentioned Nashville, that you both had done group trips in Nashville. Are there particular places that more readily come to mind as being good for a group trip for one reason or another? What are the ingredients that make for a good destination for a group trip? Well, I think Nashville possesses a lot of those ingredients. Um, I mean, obviously, it's if you're a bachelorette group or a bachelor group, it's a great place to go and get drunk at, which is, you know, the main aim of that trip. <laughs> but also it's very easy to get around. It's very affordable. It's got a lot going on, whether you're interested in food, whether you are interested in the music scene, whether you want to go to the museums there, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. And for us in that group, the affordability of the city was a really big appeal because mm -hmm. again, you know, everyone has different careers, everyone has different you know, finances. And it meant that there wasn't really any one time when someone was kind of having a small stroke over the check when everyone was dividing it up. Do you know, Lolly, I think that's a really, and this is why I would say it's about planning in advance. One of the reasons you want to have a framework is not everyone has the same budget, but if you create a framework and say, in advance, here are the things that we're all going to do together, then especially people on a tighter budget can plan ahead for that and then not feel pressure to spend more money the rest of the time. But I think that's super important. Remember, not everyone wants to make it their most expensive weekend of the year. So give them a framework that means they can still come and not worry. And Mark, as a master planner in all of this, <laughs> how, I'm curious about a couple of things. One, you're certainly not the only alpha personality that you've ever had as mm -hmm. part of a group, right? What, yep. what are strategies that you have used or learned to communicate in ways that take those other alpha personalities. Not, everybody's not like me and just saying, like, tell me where to go. I'll go wherever mm -hmm. you want. And then also to deal with things like budgets where there may be somebody who is doesn't have the same kind of budget and then therefore doesn't want to spend on the same kind of experiences, wants to drop it down a notch or whatever. How have you negotiated those things? That's a great question. You know, I planned a big bachelor party in Vegas, as you would. And we love Las Vegas. We go to Las Vegas a lot. But Vegas can be very pricey. And I did two things. Again, first of all, we worked out the obligations, which were sort of two dinners and one lunch. And everything else was optional. So the people who were less keen to spend some money knew that was all they had to pay for. And then we offered the chance to triple up rooms or, you know, you could choose how much you wanted to spend in your accommodation. Secondly, I took the other people who were likely to want to provide input rather than participate, and I solicited that directly. So before I created an itinerary, I said to two or three other people, hey guys, I know you are really knowledgeable about Vegas. I know you love planning these things. Give me three or four things, suggestions and let me work on trying to incorporate everything. So you separate out the people who want to be in charge from the people who don't want to be in charge. 
And you work initially with the sort of alpha people to make sure they feel listened to, because then they won't bitch about it later. And then you unveil the itinerary to the people who literally are like, I just want to know where to be. And you make sure that it's pre-costed. So we did two dinners in Las Vegas. We did one on the Strip and one downtown. They were both set meals with all the wine included so that there was an absolute sense of what would be spent. There was no, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight. It was dinner will be a hundred bucks for everybody. That's what it's going to cost you. If you're not okay with that, let me know now. And it really, I have to say, it went very, very smoothly and no one felt pushed around. We got, you know, we had a great time. At least that's what they all tell me. We'll see if they listen to this and they tell me, no, we had a nightmare. <laughs> but, but those... Yeah, though, definitely you know, that, tweet was, at us. If you're on Brandy yes. and Travelers. If you were on Angela, Mark's Eddie, uh, Vegas Flynn, trip. Anyone who was there, and if Kelly, anyone who was there, just tweet at us and you can just say, back off. No, but I think it's, I think it's, I think it's about being very organized up front and a little bit more relaxed during. I also think the point that Lala made about ease of getting around. If you've got a group of people who won't fit in one car, try and find a place that has some walkability. It's the South Beaches, it's the Vegas, it's the New Yorks of this world. Because if you're trying to coordinate three Ubers and, and some people get stuck in traffic and that gets quite stressful. So the way to make it easier when you get there is to be in Nashville so you can walk up the strip. To be in Vegas, you can walk up the strip. It means you can all hang out much, much more relaxedly. I think something that's... And that sounded... I sounded like such a sergeant major there. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, you know. I think something that's also really important, and I know it's not as easy to do when you're doing something like a bachelor or a bachelorette party where the people who are invited are the bridesmaids and you as the planner maybe don't have the control over who's coming. But I think picking your uh, travel partners wisely is like <laughs> the biggest advice I have ever received mm -hmm. or given. I have a friend who I know that I travel really well with. We've been traveling together for four years and she's like my go-to. And we can throw in a third person and make it a group or maybe two other people. But I know that like she and I have similar adventurousness and maybe we'll throw in someone who we also know like has the same level of spontaneity or whatever. And then you can go in with the expectation like, okay, we all kind of get each other and the way we travel. You have to start somewhere, so you've got to kind of trial your friends out on that. But I think that's very important for the success of a trip. I, you know, can I tell you, I'll tell you a secret. When I was tour guiding, one theory that our boss always had, she said, it's always great to have a group where there's someone who everyone doesn't like much. <laughs> because the way to make a group get along flawlessly is to have them all roll their eyes about the same person rather than each other. So the crucial thing is you sort of need that slightly irritating but lovable friend who means that everyone else doesn't criticize each other, they just criticize him or her. And I'm telling you now, if you take along your friend who's just always a bit particular, weirdly, you might have a better time than if they're not there because you don't turn on each other, you turn on them. That is like the most brilliant but offensive advice I've ever received. I was going to say, please tweet at us who you think it was on the Vegas trip. Yes. <laughs> totally. Was it Mark? Who knows? I feel like this is travel. I was say it was me. Tra travel via the art of war. <laughs> like Sun Tzu's guide to assembling a group travel. Um, 
this notion of chemistry and who are you looking for? What's the good composition of a group? Mary, you mentioned the notion of trying to find people who will push you. What do you mean by that? So I really like to go outside of my comfort zone when I travel, even if it's just going somewhere in the States. And so when I formulate a group with people who might have similar interests but are in their personality or their life experience incredibly different than me and are going to try different things, I've always been a really picky eater. So friends who will be like, Meredith, we have to try this restaurant. You have to go here. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, I will go because I'm on this trip and it's going to be this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I would never have gone if I was just going by myself or going with someone who's very similar to me. So I like going and traveling with groups of people that are, like I said, like the same level of adventurous, but adventurous towards different things. And, you know, if you've got to compromise on some things, you're going to have to go to things that the other people in your group want to do. So I like to choose people who I know are going to choose things that I would never choose for myself. But because I'm on a group trip, it's not a democracy and I have to go. And I think that makes it more exciting. Well, yeah, it's really smart, though, because that notion of eating with people who are more adventurous than you as a way of exposing yourself and getting over your own anxieties or predilections, whatever, that's really smart. I feel like especially if you've got like one or two close people and then a couple of people who are less close because you're going to be in front of those people who are more strangers you're going to be less likely to say, ew, I don't, that's not my right. thing. I don't want to do it. So you're, going to, you're just going to be too embarrassed and you're just going to eat it. Exactly. And then you'll eat something awesome yeah. that you wouldn't have otherwise. No, exactly. Really and smart. I think it's just like if you want to be out of your comfort zone, then you have to pick people who are going to put you out there because you probably won't choose to do that voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. You guys talked about some of the ingredients of a good destination. What are some of the landmines? What are the things to look out for if you become the person planning or negotiating the planning of one of these? What makes for a bad group trip destination? I think somewhere where you're locked into a specific place. Makes for great novels, though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, but I think if you're, I mean, this is not a knock to rural group trips because I think those can be really fun. But if there's only your Airbnb in the woods and there's nothing else. There's no hiking. There's no animals. There's nothing. It's just you in a house together. That's like one one (laughs) horror movie. (laughs) And two, that like doesn't give anyone the room they need to breathe. And so even if it's something as simple as like there are two activities, you can hike or you can swim in the lake. Even if it's just that, that is immediately better than this lone house that you thought was going to be a bonding trip and turns into everyone hating each other. Meredith, there's a, there's a reality show producers know that if the season is looking sluggish and you haven't had enough fights, you rent a house in the middle of nowhere, take away the cast's phones, open the bar, and let them That's go. That's the premise for get... every MTV show it's, ever. <laughs> it's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf times six. You get, exactly. You get great footage. So in other words, if reality show producers know that will create conflict, don't put yourself voluntarily in that situation exactly. if you're on vacation. And I think that you can do that in cities too. If you pre-plan enough, then you won't be like, oh shoot, what do we do? We're all just going to sit in here and drink. That's a terrible idea. Well, and to that point, I think you need to choose somewhere that if it rains, there's still stuff to do. Because to continue going back to my trip to Nashville, <laughs> it in the middle of August poured with rain the entire weekend. And every time we got talked to anyone, they were like, wow, this has never happened before. This is so unusual. <laughs> and yet it rained all weekend. But it was fine because there was so much to do. And so it, while it was a bit of a bummer, it didn't really change that much of what we'd planned. But if we were 
at the beach in a wonderful beach house, we would be all trapped inside together and Lord of the Flies would ensue. I had that exact experience. I, when I was in college, I went to Rio and there were like, oh gosh, this is why I never travel with this many people. I think there were like 16 of us and we got an apartment together in Rio on the beach and our full plan for five days was to just like sit out on the beach. And then it rained for five days and none of us had planned enough and I don't think we had Wi-Fi. It was a mess. And so it ended up with all of us just sitting in the apartment and wasting five days in Rio because none of we were also paralyzed by the rain. We had not planned ahead that we just sat and got angry at each other. No, but I, did, I, I can see that. It was that. terrible. Yeah, Rio is a tough city if it rains. Right? Yeah. A lot of the stuff you want to do is outdoors. The other thing I would say is I'm going to a wedding, a destination wedding in September, and it's in the Caribbean, but it's in St. Martin. It's not in one of the exotic islands. So St. Martin is easily accessible from almost any airline hub. Remember, if you're doing a group trip and people are coming from different places, sure, it sounds great to go to that crazy little rock in the middle of nowhere, but for the people who don't live in a major city, that adds an extra level of hassle. So you have to go somewhere that has reasonable, the Vegases, the Miamis, the St. Martins. You can't be too adventurous on those group trips unless you want someone to bitch about how annoying it was to get there. Plus, on the entrance to St. Martin, you get to watch the tourists dive out of the way of your plane. <laughs> so immediately everybody's laughing at them. But that's why we actually, my friends chose, we're just going back to Nashville. Um, no, that's why my friends chose that. I live in New York, a Sp- lot of sponsored them. Sponsored by Nashville. <laughs> I, I will say that when we got on the plane, thinking we've been very original in our plan, oh, yeah. there was four different hen party bachelorette groups and the pilot made an announcement and everyone screamed and was very excited and we we suddenly thought is this the right place to be going no but all of my friends live all over the sort of east coast a bunch of them are in texas i'm in new york um some of them are in the midwest and for us it was the same distance for all of us to get to nashville and so it was an easy decision because everyone was traveling the same distance no one was going way out of their way to get there and so it was a little easier. I will say there were eight of us. Every time we walked in anywhere, dinner, bar, everyone would be like, oh, who's getting married? Yeah. We were like, none of us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are so many bachelorette parties. But you insane. guys didn't do the usual bachelorette route, did no. you? We did a mix of high and low, but we avoided part of the request of the bride. A lot of the like real bachelorette staples in Nashville. No strippers in cowboy hats. Sadly not. <laughs> so on one night we had a really, really incredible meal at Husk that we at Traveller have recommended countless times. It was really special and delicious and everyone had gone to that night prepared to spend a lot of money. And then the next night we spent literally nothing, went to this bar... That was the dumpster diving night. Yeah, this bar called Santa's. I couldn't tell you where it was. It was some darkened street. It was in a trailer. You could smoke inside. There was karaoke. And they only served $2 beers. You couldn't get any other alcohol in there. And it was like the most fun ever. Mm -hmm. And we got there at 10 and left at 4 a.m. So I think we did a full working day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk resources for a second. If you become the person who is responsible for planning a trip like this, 
what are the resources out there in the world, human, machine, internet, phone, otherwise, that uh, you can tap into to help make it a little bit easier on yourself? Apps. I, I was, Mark just yeah, wrote so a great app story. Thank you, Lale. Thank you for queuing me up as I talk <laughs> about my little app story. Thank you very much. We, we rehearsed this beautifully. Um, there are some great apps out there. I would also remind people, you don't have to do an app. If you're not particularly techy, I used an Excel spreadsheet because I just wanted to have it on my laptop and have it more accessible that way. You can do that too. You don't have to do this. I do think Travify, which is on both iOS and Android, is a great planning uh planning app. It creates a shareable itinerary that you can share with everyone or select members. So if you're doing different flights, that means people don't have to see each other's flights. They just need to know where to be. The only thing it doesn't do very easily is divvying up expenses at the trip's end because there's a fee to settle that. And instead, I would do that. I would use Splitter to track expenses. Splitter's only iOS, but I did speak to the developer and he said that he's about to release an Android one. And that is basically allows you to add expenses in any currency and then it can tally them in your final currency. So it's great if you're going overseas, for example, and you've got dollar expenses when you started and you've got, you know, euro expenses from the destination. You can't use that app to pay, but it's a great way to tally things and then you can just Venmo each other the money. So there's a full story about um, different apps, but those are the two I would suggest. And then Prava, P-R-A-V-A, so like Prada with a V, is an itinerary manager, but it has a great messaging function. What I love about that is, if you're all trying to find each other after your free time, this messaging app shares your location when you do. So you're sort of like, where are you? Oh, I'm here, and you can actually see each other. So it's a bit like that Uber gray ball, you know, except not so evil. <laughs> um, well, I didn't use Splitter, I use Splitwise, which is also great. The only catch being that it only um, figures out the currency in US dollars. So if you're traveling abroad, it's not ideal. But the really good thing about Splitwise is that you can divvy up the funds between each other and then through the app Venmo each other. So it takes out a whole stage. And it was incredibly easy to use. And I'm a bit of a technophobe. And no one, no one argued. It was, it was great. And we kept track of our expenses as we went along. Yeah, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, when I traveled, I mean, we just, we took turns. So everyone would kind of keep track, like, who was groups. So we had two Ubers. And people would just keep track, like, okay, this person requested it last time, so I'll do it, and then I'll do it. And, like, it kind of all netted out. I call it the friend fund. Sometimes someone will owe you something, and you will owe them back, and then it'll all work out. Um, Did you write it and down? That's, no. no. So we just worked off of the honor system. Like People would be like, okay, you guys got it last time, so like, I'll get the Uber this time. Or, was there always that one person who was like, oh, it's not my No, turn. it actually, and like the, the, the situation was that we kind of set that expectation up front. We were like, you know, our first day in Nashville, we were like, okay, look, we're all going to split Ubers. Is everyone okay with that? Yes. Great. We'll just alternate and that'll be great. Can I talk, it's interesting you said that, Meredith. One of, when I used to be a tour group leader, you would always have a briefing at the beginning of a trip. Obviously this is a bit more formal, but it was something, it was about setting expectations. And one of the really important things with group trips is you can't start suggesting something midway through a trip. 
you sort of have to plan ahead and think about it and say, we are going to do it X way. Because pivoting as you go, and one of the things I would always talk about, and you can't do it with friends quite as formally as I would say, but timekeeping is super important. It is, if you have a rendezvous time and someone is always half an hour late, they're making everyone else waste their time and they're saying they're more important. And it is very important before a trip to sort of say, if you have a late friend, I think we've all know those people, you have to work out the way that you can incentivize them to not be their usual late self, or you have to designate their partner as a chivia because you have to start off, anything you want that trip to have has to be baked in from the beginning. And I would really encourage people to be really conscious of timekeeping because that's the thing that pisses everyone off. Like standing around waiting for that one guy who's like, oh, you know, I was having a nap. And you're like, really? And, you know, I do have one friend who is that person. So I, I went through that. I think if you all, if you just do that Girl Scout or Boy Scout thing where you always have a buddy, which, you know, people should probably do anyway. Um, <laughs> and it's more easier when it's when you're on a group trip. If you put the person who's there the earliest and you match them up with the person who's always late, usually they'll be on time. Wow. I'm not kidding. It's like really, That's it's a brilliant. great, it is a great plan. <laughs> and so if you just, you know, it's the same thing that Mark was saying. If you set expectations and you kind of all pick your person at the beginning it also avoids people being late because you can be like hey you know Haley you should pair up with Barbara because you guys are usually not the same timing I was thinking I had a completely different reaction which is is just make the late person the person everyone hates and that unites the group (laughs) and you've solved two problems with one or you just lie to the late person (laughs) but that's hard when you're in a group trip and you're telling everyone okay everyone be here at 1230 but you Brad be here at noon (laughs) that's pretty smart if you're talking to me I, that just I think seems also, a little backwards. I think it's also important, you know, we're talking about this, like, we're never the ones that do that stuff on these trips. And I think it's important to check yourself <laughs> and yeah, and sort of, you know, at times just be like, do I really need to get annoyed by this? Do I really need to make a fuss yes. about going to this thing or shall I just do it and bite my tongue? And I, I know that I've definitely been guilty of that in the past. So it's good to also just remind yourself to get out of your own habits as well, I think. I just take refuge in the fact that I'm the one everyone hates, and therefore I'm, my function is to unite the group well, it's around amaz- the hate. It's amazing, because I'm the one that's always right. So. <laughs> there you go, Lolly. You, me, and Mark, that's, we, yeah. that, that's a group exactly. trip right there. <laughs> no, but, but Lolly, you, I love your point. I love your point. And, you know, as much of a know-it-all as I am about all of these things, one of the things I have to be conscious of, having been a tour group leader, is that when I'm doing group trips, I have to remember I'm not working, and... You know, I'm not in charge in quite the same way. And I always, I have to watch myself from getting too bossy because I was so used to saying, all right, you know, group, I'll see you here. And when you're with your friends, you, you can't really do it that way. Well, not if you want to be invited back. I mean, you know. What about, um, I have two questions. One, you mentioned messaging. Have you guys ever set up like a Slack group for a group trip? Or what have you used? I've been on some awful Gmail threads. (laughs) No, I usually have big group chats on just like regular iMessaging and you can name them. So all of... None of your friends have Android phones? No, 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 Brad, none of my friends have Android (laughs) phones. Um, No, but I think it's kind of fun because I can look back now and I was just back in Texas two weeks ago for like a 
adult father-daughter trip to my friend's ranch in Texas. And we have a group text that's called Not Too Old for Dad's Weekend. And I can like go find that and look at all of our photos. And then I have, you know, trips and friends coming to New York and they're all named, which I think is easy to find. And then you don't have to like put all the people in every time you try to text someone in a group. That's really interesting though. Like what a group trip. How did the dynamic work in terms of planning that? Oh yeah. It was interesting and it was also like the easiest group trip. So it was a bunch of my friends from college and our dads who became friends when we were at college and they haven't seen each other in a while and I don't live in Texas anymore. So we decided to all get the gang back together and my friend has a ranch in between Waco and Austin, if anyone knows where that is. And it was easy because everyone was just excited to go and we had no expectations of like anything major happening. We were all kind of going for this like oasis in central Texas. And so the nice thing was we didn't really do anything. We had the option. We took walks and we played with the cows and the dads went fishing and we raced ATVs and we sat on the porch. And that was great because there were no plans, but there were things to do. And there was enough of us. I think there were 10 of us that we could kind of like break off into groups. And that was really nice. But we were there for two and a half days and it was weirdly... Super relaxing. That is for a bunch of surprising. like fifty-year-olds yeah. and twenty mid-twenty-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can have fun with your dad, Meredith. That's a lovely story. It's and I feel no, like my I dad makes lot, an appearance on like every podcast. I feel like I bring him up all <laughs> even the time. when you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ron Carey makes an appearance. We should get him on the podcast. Oh my gosh, he would be so yes. excited. We can Skype him in. <laughs> yeah, get ready. What I would also say, and I think Meredith just touched on something, when you're planning a group trip, it is important not to guilt people into coming. I think a trip might come up and there'll be all of you at dinner and one person is a bit like, oh, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And there's a bit of a kind of herd mentality of like, come on, we want you to come. And maybe that person doesn't like traveling groups. Maybe that person can't afford it. If someone seems reluctant, listen and let them back, let them peace out. Because I've also seen people sort of press ganged into joining trips who ended up being miserable. And if someone seems reticent, say, oh, sure, we'll send you lots of pictures. Love you to be there, but, you know, understand. I think the best decision that my friends have made every time we do a group trip, like a large group trip, is we put a deadline on whether or not you're coming. So if we come up with this trip six months in advance, you have, you know, a month to decide if you want to come or not. And then we book tickets or, you know, maybe we start planning it three weeks in advance, but you only have a couple of days to decide whether or not you want to come. If you want to come, you got to book it or you don't. And like, that's going to be how it goes. And if someone wants to join last minute, sure. But then it kind of removes that worry or pressure, you know, or limits it to a certain amount of time. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And no one can be mad. I kind of feel like I shouldn't be doing anything else in my life without checking with you first. (laughs) You have all kinds of great ideas. What time should I go home today? (laughs) Soon, so we can all leave too. I have to pack my office. Uh, um, Is that a thing we have to talk about? Brad's like, what? (laughs) What? Is that why they're always there? (laughs) You realize I'm waiting for you to leave, right? (laughs) This is hilarious. (laughs) We're turning each other into workaholics. Um, What's the best group trip that you guys have ever had? I am going to go first. Um, The first thing that popped into my head was 
last year, I got an email from Scott Kyes about a flight deal to Chile, and it was like $300 round trip. And I called a friend of mine who I knew would be down to go with me and book within 24 hours. She said yes. And we had a friend who was in Chile at the time who's like my resident travel buddy who I mentioned earlier. And so we flew and met her there. And that all happened in the span of three weeks. So we like booked our flight and then left for Chile with no preparation whatsoever. But it was great because we were all super spontaneous, but we all wanted to do different things. So... We kind of like didn't even plan until we got on the plane, but my friend Sarah and I just sat on the plane with our guidebooks and like highlighted things and then swapped guidebooks. And we're like, okay, we highlighted these the same things. We're going to do these things and then everything else can be in the free time. And that's what we did. We were there for four days and it was great. This was a guidebooks. Yeah. Guidebooks. Yes, we had our Check physical. Out. Well, it was mostly because we hadn't planned and we were like, oh shoot, this is in two weeks. Let's <laughs> buy a guidebook and read it so we know what's going on because it'll be too much effort to wade through all the information online. Mark, what was your best trip? Group trip. My best group trip was uh, last year. My friend Flint, who helped me organize at the bachelor party in Vegas, who's as bossy and type A as I am, uh, organized a group trip to Palm Springs for his 40th birthday. And it was flawless because he booked all the houses and he said, you'll be in this house, here's what you owe, here's when you owe it. But what we didn't know was that his 40th birthday was also going to be his wedding. So it was one of those trips that, that became much more touching and lovely. So I went for a 40th birthday and ended up attending a surprise wedding. So it was just really, it was very, very touching. But also it was lovely to have someone in charge who I trusted and I knew would be super buttoned up. And so I could not even think. So even I sometimes just want to surrender and be you, Brad. Honestly, you can't see right now, but we all have like the biggest awe faces ever. That was like <laughs> such a sweet story. It was great. <laughs> it was. And it was lovely to be there. And Flint, I love you. It was very, very touching to experience it too. Lolly. Well, Nashville. don't really have anything to follow that <laughs> with. But as I said at the beginning, I am a sort of recent convert to group travel and never really wanted to do it and avoided it quite a lot. So a really nice thing is that, you know, me and my best friend from London have traveled a lot together over the years. And, you know, when we travel together, it's that sort of communication you have with that one friend where you can just like simply through looking at each other, you can tell when one person needs to go home or is annoyed or upset or having a great time. And now, you know, we both have other halves. And for the first time, we did a trip, the four of us, last summer to L.A. And, you know, I don't get to see them much because they live in the U.K. So we met up in California rented a ridiculous red sports car. Her boyfriend had never been to LA before, so it was hilarious. And, and it then was... sat in it in traffic for yeah. hours. <laughs> Somehow we avoided it, but it was proper like Brits abroad <laughs> in California having an amazing time. And, and also we discovered that the four of us traveled with great ease, um, which was really exciting because now we're planning all these trips together. So I feel like I have this whole new sort of frontier of travel ahead of me, <laughs> doing things for four of us. Do you know, Lale, I think you made an interesting point though, and I think this is cultural. I think Americans are much better at group travel than Brits. I think British people sneer a little bit about it and are like, I don't want to join in. And I think I've been in America long enough 
to kind of embrace it. And I think Americans are much more open, partly to organize trips like the ones that I used to lead, but I think Americans are much more joiny inny than British people because I know exactly the reaction that sort of like, I don't want to join in, I'll do it myself, thanks very much. And I think that's a bit cultural. We're so adding two Americans. completely agree. We're adding joining <laughs> any. We're joining any. <laughs> joining any to our list of words that I am very confused by, but also like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if there's any listeners. I mean, if, I'd love to know if we've got any listeners who are back from the UK, if they agree with this or, or if Lali and I are just horrible snobs rather than <laughs> British people. We might be, it might be that. Brad, what has you been your best group trip and family trip doesn't count? Family trip doesn't count. Of you and your wife and son doesn't count. No, no, no. I I wasn't going to count that one. I was thinking about the one we took last summer, which was more of a group trip and which was like a which was a real proper group trip. That was a proper group trip and did involve many of these dynamics around like negotiating, you know, ahead of time, alpha personalities, beta personalities, budgets, all these things, and that was great. And there were many great moments with that. But I think for me, it was our wedding in Italy. And I think that was because it was a real mix for me of friends that were sort of like my friends from San Francisco and from college and from, you know, grad school and stuff who were more kind of traveled people who'd been in lots of places and were more familiar with that kind of foreign environment, so to speak, with my own family, who none of whom had traveled very much. So it was the first time that my mom had been to Europe, for example. It was the it, My father had been in the Navy, but he hadn't been for pleasure. And so to see all of these people who had never experienced this kind of thing come together, and also we did a lot of partying and dancing and, you know, sneaking into the water in the night and things like that, and that was fun. But to see that blend of people for whom this was a brand new experience with people for whom it was kind of a more familiar experience and who were more comfortable there and everybody just really loving it to see that freshness and to have everybody integrating within that. I don't know. I think that was, it was a spectacular location. So that helped. Um, But the interpersonal dynamics were really great. Everybody had a good time because there was that, that cross section of different types of travelers Um, in different places in my life. So I guess it was mostly special for me. But they all had a a good time. And to see people, I think to see people that you know and that you're close to embracing something and getting that experience and really loving it and kind of, you know, awakening to it is kind of wonderful in and of itself. So that was mine. So you guys have converted me. Lala, I Yay. thought your your story was great. I, I think like you discovered now something that you can do, you know, again and again. That's really cool. So let's wrap it up there. That's a good place to start. Happy notes. <laughs> I was going to ask about worst trips, but I don't want to. <laughs> like, why talk about that? No. That's terrible. So thanks to all of you guys for coming and talking. Mark, thanks for dialing in. What time is it for you there? Oh, pleasure. It's 8.10 a.m. I'm just about to go to Bondi. And hopefully, please tune into my Facebook. Oh, yeah, it would be too late. Are you going to get <laughs> Avo toast? Do you know, I haven't had Avo toast this time, but I have had amazing coffee. Australians make the best coffee in the world. And I, I am Ooh. so jittery and caffeinated from drinking so much coffee. And I love it. They also do the- Everybody from Italy, please tweet at Mark right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say that Australia does the best breakfasts in the world. I yes, have not does. even been to Australia, but based so on right. the Australian places that are in New York, I would fully support this statement. Lolly, that you guys is are the, you are absolutely right. 
breakfast, best breakfast in the world are in Australia. I don't know why, but they no, are. I, last time I went to Australia was like 10 years ago and I still dream of the breakfast I had there. And you guys are both British. Come, he said, come with me next time. Uh, oh, gladly. Naturally. Yeah. Okay. I will take that in mind and yeah. just like apply it to myself and I will join this group trip that we have just formed yes, to Australia. We're going on a group trip. <laughs> group trip podcast from Australia. From the beach. Okay. Subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com and we are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And we've asked you to tweet many things at us in this episode so I hope you got all that straight we'll try to summarize it in the notes on the site (laughs) whoever's writing that one Um, please do tweet at us though send us feedback review us on iTunes we do enjoy getting your input where can folk find you Meredith I am on Twitter at oh hey there mayor Mark I'm on Twitter at Mark J Elwood with two L's Lale I'm on Twitter at Lale Ari Koglu the internet will lead you there. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Google that phonetically. <laughs> and I'm at Bradrick. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.